Hello again, this is uh, Jason Powers. I'm going to finish up this uh, letter from uh, President Trump to Nancy Pelosi that was sent on December 17th, uh, 2019. Um, just left off at a critical point. He says, before the impeachment hoax, it was the Russian witch hunt. Against all evidence and regardless of the truth, you and your deputies claimed that my campaign colluded with the Russians, a grave, malicious, and slanderous lie a falsehood like no other. You forced our nation through turmoil and torment over a wholly fabricated story illegally purchased from a foreign spy by Hillary Clinton and the DNC in order to assault our democracy. Yet, when the monster slide was debunked and this Democrat, Democrat conspiracy dissolved into dust, you did not apologize. You did not recant. You did not ask to be forgiven. You showed no remorse, no capacity for self-reflection. Instead, you pursued your next libelous and vicious crusade. You engineered an attempt to frame and defame an innocent person. All this was motivated by personal political calculation. Your speakership and your party are, are held hostage by your most deranged and radical represent, representatives of the far left. Each one of your members live, lives in fear of a socialist primary challenger. This is what is driving impeachment. Look at the Congress, uh, Congressman Nadler's challenger. Look at yourself and others. Do not take our country down with your party. If you truly cared about freedom and liberty for our nation, then you would be devoted your vast investigative resources to exposing the full truth concerning the FBI's hor horrifying abuses of power before and during and after the 2016 election, including the use of spies against my campaign, the submission of false evidence to a FISA court, and the concealment of exculpatory evidence in order to frame the innocent. The FBI has great and honorable people, but the leadership was inept and corrupt. I would think that you would personally be appalled by the revelations because in a press conference the day you announced impeachment, you tied the impeachment effort directly to completely discredited Russian hoax, declaring twice that all roads lead to Putin when you know that is an abject lie have been far tougher on Russia than President Obama ever was thought to be. Okay, next page. <clears throat> Any member of Congress who votes in support of impeachment against every shred of truth, fact, evidence, and legal principle is showing how dis uh, deeply they revile the voters and how truly they detest America's constitutional order. Our founders feared the tribalization of partisan politics and you're bringing their worst fears to life. Or still, I've been deprived of basic constitutional due process from the beginning of this impeachment scam right up till the present. I've been denied the most fundamental rights afforded by the Constitution, including the right to present evidence, to have my own counsel present, to confront accusers, and to call and cross-examine witnesses, like the so-called whistleblower who started this entire hoax with a false report of a phone call that bears no relationship to the actual phone call that was made. Once I presented the transcribed call, which surprised and shocked the fraudsters. They never thought that such evidence would be presented. The so-called whistleblower and the second whistleblower disappeared because they got caught. The report was a fraud. They were no longer going to make, be made available to us. In other words, once the phone call was made public, your whole pot blew up, but that did not stop you from continuing. More due process was afforded to those accused in the Salem witch trials. You and others of the committee have long said impeachment must be bipartisan. It is not. You said it was. You said it was very divisive. It certainly is. 
even far more than you ever thought possible and is only getting worse. This is nothing more than a legal partisan attempt coup that will, based on recent sentiment, badly fail at the voting booth. You're not just after me as president, you're after the entire Republican Party. But because of a colossal injustice, our party is more united than it has ever been before. History will judge you harshly as you proceed with this impeachment charade. Your legacy will be that of turning the House of Representatives from a revered legislative body into a star chamber of partisan persecution. Perhaps most insulting of all is your false display of uh, solemnity. Let me say that again. Uh, Solemnity. Can't say it. You apparently have so little respect for the American people that you expect to them to believe that you're approaching this impeachment somberly, reservedly, and reluctantly. No intelligent person believes that you are saying in what you are saying. Since the moment I won the election, the Democrat Party has been possessed by impeachment fever. There is no re, uh, retentance. There is no somber affair. You're making a mockery of impeachment, and you're scarcely concealing your hatred of me, the Republican Party, and tens of millions of patriotic Americans. The voters are wise, and they will see straight through this empty, hollow, and dangerous game you are playing. I have no doubt the American people will hold you and the Democrats fully responsible in the upcoming 2020 election. They will not soon forgive your perversion of justice and abuse of power. There is far too much that needs to be done to improve the lives of our citizens. It is time for you and the highly partisan Democrats in Congress to immediately cease this impeachment fantasy and get back to work for the American people. While I have no expectation that you will do so, I write this letter to you for the purpose of history and to put my thoughts on a permanent and indelible record. 100 years from now, when people look back at this fair, I want them to understand it and learn from it so that it can never happen to another president again. Sincerely yours, Donald J. Trump, President of the United States of America. Uh, carbon copies to the Senate and the House of Representatives. So there you go. That was what he sent today in response to his uh, this impeachment track. Now, uh, obviously, you know, he wrote it as more of like a speech that it would be given to the American public. Uh, so, uh, there's people that will criticize how he structured it and what he involved in it, but what he's laying out is the case that, okay, ever since he's been involved in this, uh, uh, impeachment, uh, uh, push ever since the day he was elected president of the United States. And actually about a year before that, uh, there's been a concerted effort to, uh, put pressure on anybody connected to Trump because um, as we've come to realize that there's a great many people that absolutely despise Trump that worked in uh, Washington, D.C., Democrats and Republicans too. And because of that and because of their their connections and because of their financial interest and their uh, current policy dealings and objectives across the world from China to Ukraine to Russia to the EU to Britain, you name it. There, there's there's numerous connections that could be made about people that are involved in this situation. And I think it's pretty, um, I guess, negligent of, of anybody to believe that uh, um, that Trump is just purely spouting off just to be spouting off. I think he I think most people have totally passed upon the fact that, uh, you know, they started attacking him even before he, I mean, basically from the time he announced 
And and I know what the reason for that is. I mean, the simple reason is as back in around 2010, 2011, I noticed that there was a he had made the claim about the birther um, issue with uh, Barack Obama, which is actually a re, uh, basically digging up what Hillary had used as a claim, and then she dropped it immediately in the 2008 campaign about Barack's, you know, um, I guess background. Uh, where he was born at, whether it was Hawaii, whether he was uh, uh, born to American citizens, et cetera, et cetera. I'm not going to get into all that because I, I don't know enough to, to fully flesh that out. But um, the claim was dropped immediately by Clinton because it wasn't a winning argument that she could take to the take to her candidacy. Didn't matter because Barack was elected. Well, Trump uh, resurrected that argument around 2010, 2011 maybe even to 2012. And I think there was a lot of resentment there. A lot, I mean, you can see the, the display of, of uh, disdain that uh, Obama had for Trump. And that wasn't just, you know, minor, a minor thing. And I don't think, I think Trump, I mean, here's the thing for uh, uh, Trump's case. What did people say about him in 2005? If you were a person who's been around for, say, the last you know 40 years, what did you know about Donald Trump in 2005? What did you know about him in 2010? And what did you know about him in 2015? Just take those little snapshots in time. And what did you know? What did you think of him? Did, your, did you think he was notoriously evil and well-connected to Russia? No, I don't think anybody can say that. And there's very little evidence that there's any business dealings there. So why did they use that as the cover story for doing this? Well, anytime someone uses something, it's because they can control the narrative. And not only that, because they probably have some dealings there that they know that they can somehow shift the blame over to the other person. So I have a, if you look at it, and then we find out that the Ukraine's, Ukrainian situation started in around 2014, and we see the kind of corruption that was involved there. And here's a little caveat to that. Uh, they talked about it in today's hearing about, you know, they had, uh, Ukrainians had appointed this anti-corruption lawyer or anti-corruption personnel. And Yovanovitch was the ambassador there. And she was supposedly heavily deep into this anti-corruption campaign. Well, what happens if the people that are supposedly heading up these things are actually the corrupt people? I mean, no one's really, you know, went into the, the looking glass and said, hmm, maybe the people that we had supposedly running these anti-corruption campaigns are actually the most corrupt people involved. I mean, there's no telling. We don't know that for certain. I'm not going to sit here and speculate to what that is, but it certainly is a question that needs to be fleshed out. As it turned out, you know, uh, Rudy Giuliani had just brought back some evidence that uh, he found a money laundering scheme that ran through I think Latvia and, and actually went through two different countries and then came back to Ukraine. So why was that being done? Obviously, between the aid that we had shipped over there, um, someone was trying to get a piece of the, a piece of the pie, you know. And if you can control who who's running the offices over there, and that person has some kind of authority to, you know, make sure um, Ukrainian citizens can't come here and testify or or a blame smears on them because really all it takes is a memo she, uh, a person like Ivanovich or her office could just say uh 
this person's untrustworthy from Ukraine. We have no idea if that's true or false. We just know we're just taking her. We think we've appointed a good person there, but it's been shown throughout history that, you know, there's been people pointed to stations over overseas who wound up being dirty. Um, I think there was a case around the beginning of our um, country. Uh, I forget what it was under the Adams administration or maybe even Washington's administration where we appointed a, a ambassador abroad and they turned out to be, um, on the take or on the make. And that's part of the reason why we had these uh, uh, impeachment processes. I think it's happened a number of times in U.S. history, like seven or eight times we've uh, convicted somebody of that uh, in that regard. So anyway, Trump, for his case, is trying to make out, make the argument that, okay, here I was being investigated. I've been counterpunching this entire time. And meanwhile, he's been trying to do the work of the American people, you know, increasing jobs and making uh, unemployment, uh, less of an issue and, and, and passing policy issues. Just imagine what he'd be able to do if he wasn't under constant investigation from the Democratic Party and other forces that are aligned against him throughout this time. I think we can reasonably state to our, you know, to, to a pretty high certainty that a lot more would be getting done if uh, we had even a modicum of cooperation from the Democratic Party or if they had a platform that was actually reasonable. But instead, they've been they've been going down the rabbit hole. They spent $40 million on Mueller. Uh, they, it wasn't even, they didn't even let the, the, the coals get coal, and they were already bringing up the Ukrainian uh, situation, which I think was just, it, they saw it as an opportunity. And oh, by the way, he had had several conversations prior to that phone call starting in, I think, May of uh, this year, and it that that phone call was just maybe an impetus they were saying because it because of the fact that they finally I think he had, he had had his discussions with Rudy about that there was some um, corruption there with Joe Biden's son and it turns out Devin Archer and you have the uh, um, Joseph uh, Coffer Black and they're all connected to high powerful people in the uh, the U.S. Uh, um, administrations prior to him, uh, prior to his. So we shouldn't just negate and neglect those things. It's been always been a pivot. It's always been a blame shift. So we need to be further aware of what's going on in our country and make, um, make a, a good decision and investigate those things going forward. But um, uh, that's it for this uh, particular episode. And we'll go We'll go back into it as uh, more uh, information comes about. Thanks.